Fraternal greetings and good wishes to all the brothers and the sisters. The soul and the personality is the main theme relating to the occult or spiritual practices. The personality is the burning ground where each one continues to meet the challenges of the physical plane, of the emotional plane and of the mental plane. These are the three lower planes in us that we have certain thoughts bothering us at the mental level. We have certain emotions bothering us at the vital level. And there are also discomforts, inconveniences and uh, displeasures at the physical plane. We keep on trying to adjust to see that this threefold personality is set into an order. And it becomes our Kurukshetra, meaning the battlefield. We keep on battling with comfort in all the three planes. And it is an eternal battle that continues to happen in us. To set the threefold personality into order, there are many methods suggested for self-purification. 
discipline relating to daily routine discipline relating to speech discipline relating to right action however much one tries to work with them the discomforts that do that do exist in the three planes come in the way and does not allow the progress to take place therefore it is decided in the higher circles to give a different orientation to the people who would like to align their personality with the soul and soul with the super soul this uh, orientation is instead of working with the threefold personality which is in you the mental the emotional and the physical think of the three kingdoms which are around us there are three kingdoms which are available around us which are very visible with which we relate all the time we relate to the humans who represent the mental plane activity on the planet we relate to the animals and there is that, that represents the emotional plane on the planet and then there is the plant these are the three visible planes with which we relate besides relating to mineral kingdom <clears throat> therefore man in in so far as he is looking for the transparent personality or a pure personality in which the light can reflect and shine forth a, a methodology is conceived by which <coughs> instead of thinking about uh, self purification and all practices of self purification which again lead one to glamour that i am purer than the other in terms of my daily living pure food pure water is such a crazy movement now about healthy food isn't it healthy food healthy atmosphere and a very pure water very pure air always hunting for them it is a never ending process and we the self purificatory process is replaced by the hierarchy with another dimension saying think of pure contributing to the purity of the animal the purity of man the purity of the plant uplift their conditions uplift the conditions of human beings who are less fortunate than you much be much more considerate loving and sympathetic towards the animal and towards the plant this is uh, this has to be done consciously relate to the plant consciously 
and see if we can help the plant kingdom. Helping plant kingdom is a means by which you relate to the plant. You try to water the plant. You try to see that the plants are not affected by pest. To ensure that it has enough sunlight, enough water, enough facility relating to the plant. Just keep relating to the plant. We are so selfish, even when we give some water to a plant like Tulasi, we look for some kind of benefit. When we, isn't it? Giving, give some water to Asimam Sanctum, the sacred plant, plant, we look for something from that sacred plant. If you see the dimension, <coughs> it looks we are so utterly selfish. So utterly selfish. We plant a, we, we water a flower plant only with a view to gain flowers from the plant. Not otherwise. If we water any fruit plant, our attitude is only when will this plant grow and become a tree and give us fruits or vegetables. This attitude is nothing but selfishness. Anything that we do to plant kingdom, we are selfish. Likewise, if you get to animal kingdom, it is still worse. The kind of killing that happens of animals on the planet, the extent of animal killing as it is happening on a daily basis on the planet, if you imagine, the butcheries that we have in every village, every town, every city, how much humanity eats the, the flesh and the blood of the animals, if you cannot imagine. They are also beings like us, as I said yesterday, isn't it? The plant is the being, the animal is the being. And the human is also a being. So, what is our attitude towards animal? How considerate are we towards the animal? How considerate? Do we treat it as your younger brother? Once a, an aspirant asked Master Jwalkul, what is it that I can do to help the animal kingdom? He said. Then the master said, stop eating meat. You have already done something. Stop eating meat. You have already done something to the plant animal kingdom. <clears throat> that is for the one who is eating meat. But for those who are not eating meat. <laughs> See how much you can help the animals that surround you. See, taking care of animals as much as you take care of your own kith and kin is a dimension which is of great importance. Great importance. To attend to a stray dog is the work of a good Samaritan. To attend to a stray dog 
to attend to a plant which is devoid of water or which is affected by weeds or which is in a state of dying if we can help it this kind of attitude towards plant towards animal and towards human human this is seen as the direct way of self purification just of getting into all kinds of practices for self purification the new dimension that is given is think of the plant what is it that you can do to the plant there is a way that you can speak to the plant there are plants around which we take for granted isn't it in the sadguru tapavana there are so many trees which are fully grown they have grown even bigger than us when we started this colony we only planted them but they have become so big that they started giving us the shade do we have time to relate to them do we have time to talk to them do we ever tenderly touch a leaf and speak to it we are so self centered in everything and we think we are very spiritual isn't it we don't care to look at a plant when we pass by we don't care to look at when we pass by a plant it may be a flower giving plant fruit giving plant or just a plant still it is a being isn't it if you see the stories of prophets and initiates they were speaking to plants they were speaking to animals daily basis we we take them as a great episodes and express our awe over it but they are only demonstrating for us they are only demonstrating for us there are so many crows isn't it and birds around crows and birds what is it that you are doing for them we do nothing we only speak about service and we are caught in our own glamour of service and because someone says a cow is sacred we keep on feeding the cows buffalo is equally sacred according to me not be, just because it is not about buffalo nothing is written in the scriptures don't take that buffalo is non sacred in fact we drink much more buffalo milk than cow milk the milk that we drink most of it is buffalo milk so why not a buffalo any animal any animal any plant any bird only on the day of shraddha meaning when we do the ritual relating to our ancestors once in a year we offer a morsel of food to the crow isn't it only for a day in the entire year that's why the crow also doesn't respond 
the crow doesn't respond because you 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 are very selfish in offering a morsel of food on the day of the ritual of shraddha other times other times if you look at the human in this dimension you see the human is so selfish completely selfish and we wish to get into the the kingdom of light we wish to experience better abilities better magical powers and find something much more greater than what it is now how are we entitled to how are we entitled you may give a lot of facility to the dog that you tame at home but there may be in the same street a stray dog Isn't it? In your mind, the distinction between the stray dog and the the street and the dog that you grow in your home, that distinction shows the kind of <coughs> discrimination we have <coughs> in understanding the dimension of light. Wherever man man is discriminative. that is, this is mine this is others as long as these borders exist you cannot walk into the field of light because the field of light is beyond form it also shines through the form when we think of god who is omnipresent when we say may the light in me be the light before me that light is dwelling as the basis of every form we indians we have the opportunity to relate to stray dogs while in the west there would be no stray dogs there are no stray dogs we have stray dogs which can be very dear to us if you relate to them you just give two days some little things to a dog wherever you move on that way it it looks at you with a lot of love and affection and it expresses its affection by wagging its tail similar thing can happen with a bird similar can have thing can happen with a bird why not a morsel of food on a daily basis to the crow why not a morsel of food to the crows which are all around why not a handful of grains to the birds on a daily basis when you have no concern for the younger beings of the visible world why are you why should you be cared for by the beings of light who are superior to us our superior orients to us when we orient to our juniors to our superiors we are juniors when the when you do not orient your younger brother why should your elder brother orient to you just it's a matter of simple common sense common sense 
Now we have a movie which is making a lot of money a day on a daily basis, where they show because of the mobile phones, these pharaohs are all gone, isn't it? Because of the frequencies that the mobile phones create in the space around. The sparrows are all gone, there are no sparrows. Many birds are gone. When the, by that we are affecting the symbiosis. So on one side you use the mobile, but on the other side at least to compensate it, the law of compensation is, your mobile phone unconsciously could be affecting a bird. So feed the birds, at least, to compensate. Likewise, our eating meat of the animal is causing such a great crisis on the planet. We don't know that all the incessant, continuous fights that keep happening among the human groups, the rate of killings that happen among the human groups, you know from where it emerges? It emerges from our killing of the animals on a daily basis. We, the humans, do not see that we are part of a big system here and you are a part of the whole. And when you disturb any other part, it comes back to you. It comes back to you. Animal killing, we may not be able to stop. Each man has to find his own uh, inner conscience and say, from today I shall not. When man grows in his awareness to a better state, he stops eating meat because he knows that uh, eating others' life is no way to progress. <clears throat> eating others' lives means see, a man can be exploiting all other humans, even he cannot progress. That is seen as selfishness. So see the whole life on the planet. See the whole life on the planet. Don't see only yourself and your concept of some masters of wisdom. They just don't look to you as long as you continue to be so completely arrogant and selfish. Does it work? Does it work? When we move everywhere, you see, when you, when you look around, you're supposed to look around. The divinity is around as well, not only within, it is around. So when you find something and you find that some being is in some need, you have to respond. It's a dimension. In these simple, in these simple acts, there is such a pure manifestation of goodwill, or manifestation of pure will. <clears throat> it has a greater impact. Most of you may have gone to Arunachala, may have seen Ramana Maharshi's ashram. In Ramana Maharshi's ashram, there is a, a what you call a graveyard or a samadhi for a crow. 
it was regularly well during the lunch time it was arriving into the ashram and it was being given food over years it lasted for many years one day the crow died the master said it is as much as a member of this ashram as all of you are it is as much a member of this ashram as you are all isn't it so let us prepare a graveyard for it in its memory he has set up a graveyard buried it over there what kind of dimension it is <clears throat> likewise there was a cow in the ashram there is a a memorial for the cow a memorial for the crow a memorial for the dog ultimately when the master passed away there is a memorial for the master also isn't it when we grow when we go we we care to see the memorial of the master but not the memorial of the other three isn't it? but the master is better pleased eh? when you have that kind of equanimity no master is ever pleased with his follower unless he has equanimity equanimity a master always ensures that all are treated well a master is no master he is a monster if he is satisfied only when he is treated well isn't it there are monsters in the form of masters who only care for themselves and ensure that others care for them but a true master of wisdom he ensures that there is equanimity that all are given equal treatment all are given equal love all are given equal respect all are given equal affection so therefore a memorial for the a samadhi for crow a samadhi for dog is and it's a stray dog it's not a hybrid one <laughs> a stray dog a samadhi for the cow and then the trees everything in the ashram is the master oriented the ashramites to see the divinity in all peter tree beat a bird beat an animal beat the human beat the master beat the elements the five elements this kind of attitude is important and not only first you recognize the divinity in all that is secondly you see where there is need to serve there you serve we invite each other to our houses we feed each other we which exchange gifts between us it has no meaning because we are all in plenty we are all in plenty and there are people who are in scarcity so why can't we look to those who need this and when we look to the surroundings don't only look to the humans look to the animals <coughs> look to the plants and look to those who are weak and meek who are not generally reached by the civilization there are many who are not reached by our civilization 
their, their life conditions, when you look at, it would be a great revelation that such things do still exist on the planet. Once I took a, a group of Westerners to north of Andhra Pradesh, beyond Srikakulam, to a village where they saw and they were so humbled. <clears throat> there was a village where the humans, the cows, the cattle, they all live under one roof. The cows live there, the buffalo sleeps there, the ox sleeps there, the dog sleeps there, he too sleeps there. And the walls are not concrete, cement concrete walls. They are made up of mud. And the roof is with palm leaves. And they live in such conditions. When they saw that, they said to me, Master, it looks as though you have taken back us, taken us back to some 2,500 years ago, about into such those primitive stages in Europe, where people lived so very humbly, which they see in the movies, isn't it? Likewise, there are so many places on the earth, on the earth. If you go to Africa. By Africa, remote places in all developing countries have to be like that. So relating to service doesn't mean just within your own group you keep on doing some little things in a routine way and feel great about it. Isn't it? There is no end to service. There is no end to service if you open your eyes and see around. Let it be, let this December call bring us to one resolve that at our individual level we try to help the plant, the bird and the animal. Let there be a personal contribution towards these three kingdoms. In as much as you do that, unconsciously you are purified inside. Because the divinity around is pleased and you are, it does much more good to your purity than your own self-imposed practices of purity. We have seen a lot of brahmanical purificatory processes which did not do much good to them except they tended to be separative and also proud and the and developed a kind of an orthodoxy. Because many things, when we work out for ourselves, they have this danger of being affected by selfishness. No man can ever walk into the kingdom of God with a selfish attitude. <clears throat> they are not required there. They are not required there. We have, we do remember the, recite the stories, but we don't take the message well. Yudhisthira, when he was moving, as he completed all his jobs, Yudhisthira means the eldest of the sons of light. He was moving towards north to cast off his body, along with his brothers and wife. They, they fulfilled all that they have to fulfill. In that life, they fulfilled the purpose. They are moving towards 
the north, so that somewhere on the way they cast up their body. A dog accomplished them, we know that. Isn't it? Not all could reach the point among the brothers and the lady. Only he could reach and, and the dog along with him. So when he reached a point of light, where the light descended and said, you are welcoming to the kingdom of God, Yudhisthira said, how about the dog? How about the dog? Then the messenger from the plane of light, he said, the dogs are not allowed into that kingdom. But Yudhisthira said, if this dog is not allowed with me, what shall I do with it now? It relied on me so much and it went on walking with me. Even my brothers could not follow me until now. They are all gone. <clears throat> but this dog, no doubt it's a dog, but it has followed me up to this point. Up to this point. If two of us go for breakfast or lunch, and if we find that only there is one seat, what is our attitude? <coughs> the inner instinct is, first I should get. If there is only one seat in a train or in a car or in a flight, do you have consideration for the other who has been with you all the time? And here is a case where it is a dog. He said, if this, this dog has no place in heaven, I don't need to come to that heaven. Because I have a duty towards this dog. It's not my dog. It's not my dog. It's a dog that came along with me. So I must take care of this dog because it followed me with, in such friendliness in such loyalty. So I can't ditch it and go with you to heaven. Thank you, at last. So this, what is it that story tells us? What is it that? We have to learn. It so happened in my life that when I was walking in, in the evening times in a park, a dog which was fully bitten by other stray dogs, Went on walking along with me all the time. I, I walked three rounds and with all the injuries, it also walked three times. Three rounds. Then when I went into the, went up to the car, it also followed me to the car. And as I opened the door relating to the driving seat, the driving wheel, it first jumped into the car. We don't know whose dog it is. It is in distress. So we thought we should take care of this dog. So we brought it home, sent it to the hospital, got all the treatment done. And we were waiting because it's a dog from a high breed, golden retriever. So we are waiting. To whom does it belong? We don't know. After some two weeks or three weeks, People noticed that this dog, that their dog is in the, in our house. So they came. 
In the meanwhile, you know, the dog is such a lovable animal. You develop a kind of relation with it. So when he came and said, sir, this dog is ours, it, it, somehow we lost it. Then I narrated what all has happened. And said, since it is your dog, you may please take. In fact, when the owner came, it jumped onto him and set its four legs on his chest. I saw the beauty of love that the dog holds for its owner. So we sent it away. So this kind of things come to us from time to time. Like that there can be a bird in distress, any animal in distress, any plant in distress. That apart, this is the best thing that we can do if we wish to walk the path of goodwill. Since we believe in the order of goodwill, goodwill starts at home. See what is what are the needs at home. See the, see what are the needs of the plants in your own house. They may not be growing very properly. Instead of arranging someone to give some water to the plant, why can't you yourself water the plant? You know how much a gardener grows in his awareness by relating to plants. There are gardeners who can talk to plants. There are gardeners who can tenderly handle the plant and that tender touch the plant cares for, craves for. Just like the small kids crave for your love and for your affection. So also a plant at home is like a tender kid. If you talk to it, if you gently touch it, if you speak to it, if you are... There is a way to relate to the plant when you know that the plant unfolds its energy in a much better manner. That's why in the hands of certain gardeners who know how to converse with the plants, the plants grow well, they offer more flowers, they offer more fruits, they grow very healthy. (coughs) But there are persons in whose hands the plants do not grow. On the contrary, they may die. Your energy would tend to be much more tenderly when you regularly relate to plants. People who are very rough in their attitude, people who are very authoritative, they would rather do well to grow plants. They would rather do well to grow plants, not to benefit from its flowers, from its fruits, but just to grow plants. We have seen in the case of Shridhi Sai Baba, how he was regularly growing rose gardens. Within the area that he had at the Masjid, he was growing regularly rose plants, preparing the field, planting the rose plant, ensuring that the, it grows and that it gives roses. What will he do with the roses? He used to give away to those who came to him. <coughs> and we have a funny mind that we think that Baba likes roses. Baba, see, the great beings, they have love for beings, they have no particular liking to hold anything. So if you go to Shirdi, people go with a lot of rose flowers and offer him. Rose garlands, rose bunches, rose bouquets, and big, big, big roses, 
full of fragrance. They go on offering to Baba, isn't it? Baba never held a rose flower as such. But you know why so many roses come to him, the roses that he has served? He served the roses when he was in the body of flesh and blood. And it is the roses that show that kind of thankfulness and gratefulness to Baba that all humans, whoever go there with a selfish attitude, this is undoubted. I have seen everywhere people going to temples, to places of masses, they are just selfish. They want to grab something from those places. Always seeking blessing, seeking blessing, seeking blessing. From every nook and corner the human wants to receive blessings. He has no mind to bless something which is weaker than him, something is weaker than him. Isn't that it? Isn't that it? So, a master of wisdom, I spoke of Ramana Maharshi, now I speak of Shri Sai Baba. Who could uh, work with the plant kingdom and dogs were gathering around him all the time, isn't it? Sri Sai is known, Sri Sai's system itself is known with the dogs. All the followers of Sri Sai, they try to feed the dogs. I tell the Sri Sai devotees, don't limit yourself only to dogs. <laughs> Think of all animals. It's only an example. He was attracting dogs. There was, he was in a dilapidated masjid, mosque. Sai was living in a dilapidated mosque where even the stray dog can also take shelter. <coughs> take shelter. In fact, in Vishakhapatnam, we have a memorial for Master Iki. A memorial for Master Iki. Sometimes when you go to the memorial during the daytime, you would find a dog sitting on the platform where we are supposed to sit and relate to the master. So the watchman came and said, sorry sir, that the dog is here. I did not see. I said, even if you see, don't disturb it. Who knows? Who is relating to whom? Isn't it? We don't go regularly, but the dog is regularly coming to the... <laughs> you don't go to the master's memorial daily because you are busy. But the dog daily comes and sits there. And it is a stray dog, but it has really... I, when I saw it, I really admired. I said, don't disturb the dog, let it be there. Don't, don't cast it away. Don't say hi to the dog. Let it be there. Why? Because who knows? It could be that the master himself is sheltering the dog. Or the dog is taking shelter under the master. When we are not coming there, at least something else is is attending to the master. It's a matter of our own, our, our understanding. I said, it's okay. If that, like we have two memorials there, one for Anamaya and one for Master Ike. So, generally some dogs do come. I said, offer some food to it. 
See, when we find dogs, when we find birds, when we find plants, please see if there is anything that we can do to them. Likewise humans. Likewise When you are eating in your train, when you do your journeys, you know, we eat in the train, we eat in the flight, we eat on the platforms, we eat in the airports, everywhere we eat because we have lost the habit of finding a right place to eat and right attitude to eat. Eating is important, yes. So you keep eating. But when you keep when you start, when you think of eating something for you, look around. If there is a razor being, <laughs> we should be participating with you in your eating food. You can't just eat it away if someone is looking at you. In the next seat, in the seat before you, there will be another passenger whom you don't know is sitting there. You open your box. Very fondly we open the box of food that we bring in because we prepare it at home. Bring it over there. When you open it, he will also see what are we eating, isn't it? He may or may not accept, but you have to offer. You may or you may not accept. He may or may not accept, but you have to offer. Such of those things are very important. Normally when we go and eat in a picnic place, if a dog comes, we throw it, we make sure that the dog is pushed away, isn't it? Then whatever you have eaten, doesn't do much good to you. Offer first to the dog and then you eat. Once it so happened with me, when I and Masariki, we went to the seaside, just sitting at the seaside. Master was fond of a particular preparation on the beach road. So we, I brought it. Together we were sitting. As if from nowhere into the beach a dog came. Then the master said, do you think it can eat this? Because it has chili in it. <laughs> it has chili in it. So we removed the chili and gave the, uh, what you call the, the paste of the cereal which is cooked. The, uh, the dog happily ate and went away. Then master said, never, never ignore the surroundings when you eat. Never ignore the surroundings when we eat. When we eat in a congregation, we are so focused only about our our plate, isn't it? Do we have everything in our plate? Do we look at the neighbor's plate if he also received or not? It is my major problem. It is my major problem. All is served to me and not to the neighbor. Not to the neighbor. 
May because the focus is on me, not so much on the neighbor. What kind of service it is? So let it be so, but as far as you are concerned, you have to make sure if the one on your right, the one on your left, the one before you, they are all served. Just because I am served, if I eat away, In, in these small things. You don't need scriptures for this. It requires the spirit of love, the spirit of brotherhood, the spirit of concern for a fellow being. So likewise, for towards human, so towards animal, towards plant. Towards plant. This has to be developed by us. For that, what I would like to suggest is, please do water the plant by yourself. Don't arrange servants to water the plants. The benefit is theirs, not yours. And don't water the plant with a view to benefit from it. (laughs) As you water the plant, you realize, you see, how much love is generated in you when you relate to it, when you relate. Likewise, when you offer a piece of bread to an animal or to a bird, see what, when, when they eat, you feel the joy. When the, water, when the plant receives the water, you feel the joy. When the bird eats the grains, you feel the joy. When the animal eats a piece of bread which we have offered, you feel the joy. Just like you feel the joy when your own kid is eating something that we have offered. If you see the parents, they offer their kids things like ice cream and other things. And when they eat, you feel joyful, isn't it? Of course, there are persons who don't care. They are monsters. Even to their own children when they feel feed, they don't have the joy. Busy minds. When you are so busy in your mind, why do you feed? You are feeding your busyness to them. You should feed with joy, especially to the kids. This is where the refined side of our being emerges. If you do everything in speed, in routine, in a mechanical way, you haven't gained anything. You may have fed a thousand times, but where is the job? Where is the job? Very unfortunate are the beings who are so speedy not to experience the, the divinity that emerges from little acts of goodwill that are done. So therefore, with love feed the plant, that it should grow, it should grow healthy. With love feed a bird, just a few grains, and a morsel of food to the crow. Not only the crow is pleased, but also your progenitors are all pleased. All your predecessors, 
They are all pleased when a crow is fed. That's how these scriptures speak. Just a moment. Every day. And something to a cow or a dog or any bird, any animal. And then something to a human. This daily relating in these, in these three dimensions cleanses the three dimensions in you. That's the new way. That's the new way. Your mind is cleaned when you relate with love to the humans. Your emotions are cleaned when you relate to the animals with love. Your physical plane is the, the, the is very much clean. The, the vital plane is very much clean. Your life energies are put to better situation when you work with the plant. So therefore these three were made part of ancient way of daily living. The ancients, in their way of life itself they have included, they have included these things that daily you water the plant very early in the morning, daily you offer some grains to some birds, and daily ensure that you offer some food to animals, to the plant, or any kind of help that they need. To these three kingdoms our orientations have to grow. We are trying to grow our awareness more towards the seniors. But the seniors would like that you care for your juniors. That you care for your juniors. If someone comes into your house on the way, he misbehaves with your children and wants to talk to you, would you talk to him? Someone who wants an appointment with me, he comes to my house and misbehaves with my children or grandchildren, do you relate to him? So also in the kingdom of God, when there are seven planes of existence and there are beings in all the seven planes, when you do not care for the the junior beings, meaning the less evolved beings, you are not cared by the more evolved beings. Therefore, self-purification is now given a different dimension with emphasis now. With emphasis now. It is there in the ancient system. All stories of prophets to show how they related to animal, how they related to plant, how they related to humans. We are, we only relate to books. We relate to books and we want to get enlightened. By just relating to books, you do not get enlightened. The enlightenment is for sure for those who have concern for the surrounding life. Your concern for the surrounding life enables the life from the surrounding to respond to you. The life surrounding you, when it responds to you, it is the omnipresence responding to you. Because the life in all is one. The life in you, the life in the animal, the life in the plant, is the same. 
the awareness is the, the degree, the difference is in the degree, but the principle is the same, the life principle and the awareness principle. In you there is greater awareness than in the animal and plant, but there is also awareness in the plant. There is awareness in the animal and there is awareness in you and there is awareness in the master of wisdom. So when you relate to the surrounding life, the awareness and life from the surrounding life starts responding to you, then you start feeling the omnipresence, not otherwise. There is the presence all around. In all beings there is the presence. Only when you serve the presence, the surrounding life, the presence emerges. That's why in Bhagavata also it says, keep seeing me all around. Keep seeing me all around. Keep listening to me all around. Keep serving me all around. Keep seeing me all around. Keep listening to me all around. And keep serving me all around. Nanu vinutsu, vinutsu, sevinutsu, tarinutsu. It's a statement coming from the second canto of Bhagavata. When we read that, we have to ensure that we get into the related practice. Why, what is so great about your going to some place and doing some service when there is need for service just around you? What is around is always there. See, whatever you find in some distant land is also found here. It's the same five elements and it's the same three kingdoms which are visible. So keep doing what best you can, that would lead you to omnipresence. The beauty of omnipresence is you come out of the limitation of orienting to the divine only through one form or two forms or three forms. For all of us, we frame the divine, isn't it? We, we are comfortable with a frame of the divine. What frame light has? In whichever frame you retain it, it appears like that. The sunlight, when it fills this room, it is in this form. When it fills another room, it, it is in that form. So the light as such has no form. The divinity as such has no form, but it is filled in all forms. In all forms. The problem of humanity from ages is he relates every person who considers himself to be theistic. He relates to one form. When he is oriented more and more to one form, what happens is unconsciously he negates the rest. Unconscious. What is in one form is also in another form. The sunlight which is in this prayer hall is also there in your bedroom, in your kitchen, in your toilet, 
Even where it is. It's the same sunlight. If you orient, where is it not? Where is the, where is the light not? There is no place where you cannot but find the light. You refuse to see and you say it is not appearing. You refuse to see. Because we have a problem developed in your minds and it is further concretized by our elders that you keep on seeing divinity in one form. So, there are millions and millions of forms in the world. All forms are negated, only one form is accepted. So you live more in a non-God situation than in a God situation. That's why masters of wisdom, they emphasis upon seeing the light in the form, than just identifying with the form. Just keep on identifying with one form, then there is a, it gains preference in your mind and you negate other forms. Whatever you see in one form can also be seen in another form. There are so many lights here, each has a different form. But it's the same light shining through. So there are forms which we have set up on the altar. Only these forms? Only these These are but examples. These are but samples. They are not everything. There are so many. Every form is filled with light. If you get into this, all the religions, they drop like that. Our problem of religions is on account of our excessive orientation to a form. A form. Even among the hierarchy, our hierarchy, there is, there is no understanding that there is one master that functions, as I said, it's the same water through every tap, be it EK, be it MN, be it CVV. It's the same water, which we call the energy, that flows through. But you have preference to this, you have, don't have preference to that. And you don't know that all taps give the same water. <coughs> it can be Ramana Maharshi, it can be Arabindo, it can be Sai Baba. And any number of names you say, it's only samples, but they are not exhaustive list. There's no exhaustive list because the light is everywhere. Light is everywhere and around the light the forms happen. So when you orient more towards the light that the form is transmitting, Light should get predominant in your mind, but not the form as such. Respect the form. I don't say don't respect the form. There are people who would like to worship the formless God. The formless God can also be in the form. That's where the synthesis is. The light is beyond the form. The light is in the form. So, which do you neglect, which do you prefer? Nothing. Nothing. Ma, ma, brahma, nirakarot, anirakaranamastu, anirakaranamastu. 
you don't have to make such a extra devotional face when you find your master because the master is everywhere. That extra devotional face, when I see, I feel sympathetic towards such persons. By extra devotional face means he only sees here, not around. It is there, and the person, I am with the right, to the right, to the left. Everywhere when it is there, why do you have that kind of a discrimination and suffer from it? It's a suffering. That's why when Hanuman saw, these are the everlasting examples. When Hanuman saw Rama and Lakshmana, he was so joyful because it's the same light in two forms. It's the same light in two forms. Skandha Vishakulla Karpinjat. What is in Rama is extended to Lakshmana also. Skanda is the original being, Subramanya. Vishaka is something that emerges from him as a golden light, resplendent light. It's but Skanda only as Vishaka. When a demon wanted to fight with Skanda, Skanda smiled and then Vishaka came up and said, fight with me. It is as much fighting with Skandha. Anyway, the demon got defeated. Likewise, it is one divinity in so many forms without exception. And that divinity you can find when you look to the eye of the other. The only thing that you have to contact when you contact the other person is through the eye. Where do you look at when you look to the other person? Not to his hair, not to his ears, not to his mouth, not to his shoulders or chest. Where do you look at? You look to the eye, isn't it? When two eyes meet, the light is in transaction. But we don't see, while seeing the light, we don't see the light. That's the beauty. That's the magic of the world. We see the light, but we don't see the light. So when you see, for example, Joshi and Gopal who are in the front seat here, don't see Joshi, don't see Gopal, you can see them later, there is time for it. Next moment can be that. First moment is to see the light in them. See the light first, later you can see other things. How brilliant is the light shining there? Is it dull? Is it absent? <laughs> there are some eyes where which show you that he is absent over there. He is looking but he is not there. He is somewhere. So when we see meeting eye to eye means meeting the light. Eye to eye. So likewise, it's about time that our so many decades of practice that we overcome form and see the light that is the indweller of the form. The indweller of the form is nothing but light. And it is that light which enables the sight, the hearing, the speech, the smell, the touch, the movement. The dead body cannot work. 
Only because there is light in him, it works. Isn't it? Light and life are but one. Awareness and life are but two aspects of the one. When the two come together, the life principle in you and the awareness principle in you, when they come together, you experience yourself as the Atman. As the Atman. Their joining point is at the above, above the bro center. The life principle and the awareness principle. But all have this life principle and awareness principle. In all the animate, we have the life principle and awareness principle. In the inanimate, there is the awareness principle. And note that awareness only gives birth to life. Awareness only gives birth to life. Life joins awareness to experience the oneself. So when the, when the life emerges, it is a support system for the awareness. So we are all units of life, awareness and life. There is a life flow, there is awareness flow in all of us. So first recognize that more than recognizing the name, the form, the race, the gender, etc., etc. <clears throat> That's where the, when the form falls, the diversity falls. The unity emerges. Otherwise, there cannot cannot be unity. You may have any number of forms, but you should know that they are the forms of light. You may have so many on the altar, you may have so many symbols that are set forth at home, but it is one light in many forms. One as many is the fundamental understanding. One as many we can speak, but one as many we have to experience. One as many has to be experienced. When we experience that, then the equanimity emerges from us. When you look to the eye of the bird, when you look to the eye of the animal, when you see the plant shining with its leaves, feel the light. When the sun ray falls on the plant, do you know how much it shines? If you see, if you have the observation, there are certain trees which shine forth in the night. Arjuna Vrutshara and Tam, Sveta Arjuna Vrutshara. Also the Fikas Religiosa, in the night, they shine forth much more in the blue of the sky. They shine forth. And during the day, they shine forth much more. That's why they are sacred. For that reason, to to see the light which is hidden in the form, to see the light beyond the form, is a practice which we keep on speaking, but try to see that in the normal conditions. Don't, don't look for supernatural phenomena. The supernatural phenomena is hidden in the forms. Is hidden in it? 
just like the gems and precious stones are hidden under the earth, in the earth. In each one of us there is the, the light which we can experience by relating to it. If you do so, the light in the, the surrounding forms will respond to you. That is the next step. Otherwise it does not. If you look to me, I look to you. That's, that's the saying, isn't it? If you look to the light in the forms, the light in the forms respond to you because the light is omnipresent. This omnipresence shall have to be a reality to us. For those who are engaged with omnipresence, let me tell you some more dimensions. There is no more need to go to a place. There is no more need to go to a sacred temple. Unless there is a an inner call, you don't have to go in a routine manner to a temple, to a sacred river. It's all over here. Whatever you try to get there, you get it here. That's why on the path to wisdom, you don't see many great beings visiting temples. It's not an activity, it's not an annual activity that you have to go to a pilgrimage, that you have to go for a sacred river for bath, that you have to go for Chardham, Yatra, Sadhana. Because whatever you wish to see there is also here. You don't have to refuse also. Please note that. You, you don't have to refuse. If you refuse, you are on one, you are, you are partial. If you just keep on doing only that, you are partial. It is both. Satyansha, Anrutansha, Satyama Bhavat. What you think is right, what you think wrong together is the total right. What you think truth, what you think as untruth is the total truth. That's how it is said in Veda, Satyancha, Anrutancha, Satyama Bhavata. So if, we, if there is a call and if there is an occasion, a, an invitation to go to a sacred place, don't deny it. But don't do it as a routine thing every year. Every Saturday to Lord Venkateshwara, every, every Tuesday to Hanuman, every Monday to Shiva's temple. These kind of things are of lesser, underst- lesser understanding. You may have seen in this, in the autobiography of a yogi, there was the, the disciple who was hunting for God, <laughs> searching for God. And the way he tumbles upon a, around some stone to visit it, Shiva's temple. He goes into the Shiva's temple. He worships the same kind of stone inside the temple and comes out. Then appears a master of wisdom. He says, the one whom you worshipped in the temple also touched you even before. 
we haven't seen him. You tumbled over him. There you see from a distance. In the temple they don't let you come near to the Shivalinga. But here there is a Shivalinga which already touched you. Did you notice it? You are busy with that. These preoccupied minds are the most pitiable minds. Programmed minds, we have to be completely in sympathy with them. So much programmed in the mind that you miss the very immediate presence as it is offered to you. <coughs> as it is offered. So therefore, this omnipresence, though the word is very well known to it, the experience of it is not known to us. Why? Because we don't see what is to be seen. We see all other things, but not what is to be seen. We have to be parikshits. Jiraj said before, who is a parikshit? A parikshit is one who sees with intent into everyone. To see the, to see the divine in the other. The one who looks to see the, who, who attempts to see the divine in the other is called a parikshit. Because he has an examining eye. Paritsha means examination. So, paritsha, an irshana with paritsha. Irshana means to see. Paritshana. Pari-irshana. Or paritsha, irshana. So, if you have that kind of a look, you find it. You find, when you find, you can relate. When you find it also relates to you. That's the beauty. When you don't, it does not. Thereafter comes omniscience, learning from every direction. Learning from every direction. Not only from the narrow direction that you decide for yourself. Learning can come to you from any source. Any source. There is no exception. It won't come from here, from all the ten directions. It can approach you when you have the attitude for omnipresence. Your own kid sitting by your side may be giving you a message. If you think it's a kid, what is it that it knows? You are, you are blind. A bird by its chirping can give you a message. The, the, the Lord speaks to symbols. The bird is a symbol, the animal is a symbol, the tree is a symbol. As you try to get out of the house, if there is a pleasant breeze, if you care to look at it, and as you try to get out of the house, a bird flies from one side to the other. Or when you are moving on the road, you see a bird or a 
a dog eating something but not vomiting something. Through these, the divine communicates. The divine is willing to communicate with you and give you a lot of knowledge. Omniscience is the second state. Omnipresence is the first state. We do hear stories, with one story I conclude. Once a man wanted to visit Master CBV in Chennai to take to initiation. He heard about Master CBV. So he thought he would go and take an initiation from the Master. Mm-hmm. So he came to know that the Master was not in Kumbhakarnam but was in Chennai. So he went to Chennai by train and at the station he just heard through someone about the Master. So he came out of the station, central station of Chennai. There was a, a, a kind of a drainage by the side of the railway station over which there is a bridge. When he was crossing the bridge, he had the bad smell. Normally in Chennai, as you step in the first invitation, and the railway st- in Chennai railway station is, it invites you. Chennai, Chennai, in, Chennai invites you through its drainage smell. So when he was on that bridge, he had a doubt in his mind. I am going to this man not knowing who he is because someone has said, I want to go and take initiation from him. Will it be? Is it sensible or not? This is the kind of thought he had in the mind. There was a madman on the bridge. He was sitting there. He's a beggar. The, he threw a biscuit to a dog, a stray dog over there. He threw a biscuit to a stray dog at the bridge. The dog came all over to the biscuit, and it was it was doubting to eat it. It was looking at it, but not eating it. Then the madman said, you fool, having come up to that point, why do you hesitate to eat it? Eat it! That's the madman's utterance. So this fellow who was there also on the bridge, he realized that you have come all up to this point, up to Chennai. Why do you doubt now, you fool? Like that he could understand. So he went to the master and took the initiation and he became a medium. So likewise, messages can come to us from the surroundings. But if you only care for messages from the surroundings, it doesn't work. There are people who only try to care for messages around, you don't get the messages. Omnipresence is the fundamental requisite to experience omniscience. Most of you in the West, you don't know in India, we follow so many superstitions, isn't it? When you go out of the house, if a married lady with a prominent bromar, if she comes with flowers, 
in his in her hair and with freshly looking sari with a bromark over here and a married person if she comes across as you come out of the house it is considered to be an auspicious message we the indians are so very what you say <laughs> engineer in our understanding we arrange our own lady to come before us so that we see <laughs> there are people who arrange their ladies to come before when they get out of the house and mostly they mate with catastrophes outside <coughs> they don't get success why because it is arranged it is arranged so arranged messages do not work when they naturally happen it works anything has to be in <laughs> nature's message but not man arranged message is it and again mutaidulu maninta vallane bayitni chedinunda ramantam vellochina em jaragadi velle vadiki adhe jarugutundi em jaragala adhe message ledhu vidiki kada so therefore omnipresence is the immediate step to gain omnipresence we like omnipresence but for that we have to serve the surroundings and in serving the surroundings please remember the service is extended to all the three kingdoms human animal and plant <coughs> let us learn to relate to the nature let us learn to relate to nature not with expectation but out of veneration and love out of love out of veneration keep ten plants in your home keep them or keep on watering them when the flowers emerge give it to someone else don't use it yourself bhagavad gita very clearly says if you eat the fruits of your own labor you are a thief if you eat fruits of your own labor you are a thief that's what krishna says he is a pilferer who eats for himself so you grow plant and you eat it away into thodakurasku manaki chesa anukondi pillalu penchukoni tinesinattuga untundi we grow on leaf plants at home leaf vegetables we grow children at home how does it what is the difference between you are growing a growing a leaf plant and a child at home it's also your child when it is fully grown you take away the leaf plant and eat away the leaf and also the plant it is like eating your own children <laughs> so kind of cannibalism it is whatever you grow it should be meant for others so so grow from some plants feed some animals and if possible feed some people who don't have not only feeding this is only just an example helping in every which way as you can and the way carry some change with you all the time because somewhere on the way when you find someone to whom you would like to give but if you have only 500 rupees note 
then the mind comes in the way. Doesn't it? You can argue. Your mind tells you how much is fair for you. So that kind of denomination you carry with you. If you are willing to give ten rupees, carry ten rupees with you. If you are willing to give fifty rupees, carry fifty rupees with you. If you are willing to give five hundred, keep carrying five hundred. You can have lower denomination. According to situation, you can share. When you feel like sharing and you have only a thousand rupee note and now only two thousand rupee note, you are in a conflict. You can't give away two thousand rupee note, but you want to give something. You ask him, do you have change? He smiles at you. He doesn't have even five rupees. Okay. How can he have a change for two thousand rupees? These are all our practical problems. So therefore, have that orientation. And today's talk is only mostly about the the goal being omnipresence. Keep serving the the visible world. The visible world. Why do you crave for the invisible world when you are not able to see the divinity in the visible world? When visible is not understood, how can the invisible be understood? When visible is not experienced, how can be invisible be experienced? So don't crave for something which is beyond your comprehension. Relate to thing which is comprehensible, which is around you, which is eminently present around you. Through that, you gain to the omnipresence. Once the omnipresence gains, then we come to omniscience. Let that be the program for all of us. By this, if we are somewhere, something like four, five hundred persons here, individually when each one attends to this kind of a program, already some contribution is done to the lower kingdom. So let that be taken by all of us as the as the information coming from the higher circles to us for today thank you one and all namaskar